The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, it is time or for owners of WGBB. With former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Production, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tarano. Uh, good evening, and uh, welcome back to uh, Streetwise. You know, uh, two days ago uh, in Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania, U.S. deputy marshals were serving what they call a fugitive warrant. They had a, a couple of people that they were had warrants to pick up, and the charges uh, were terrorism threats with a weapon. Uh, sad to say, one of the U.S. deputy marshals was actually shot during the, the arrest apprehension, and there was there was a shootout. You, you know, in uh, in law enforcement, sometimes you give nicknames to certain criminals, cer- certain teams of people that you are after. If you have a person six foot four, and you have somebody five seven, they're a team. Uh, you call them. You nickname nicknamed them uh, uh, Mutton Jeff. In this case, the U.S. deputy. Marshals were looking for a Bonnie and Clyde duo, and guess what? They walked into one in Harris, Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Get a little emotional because uh, I, I read about and I see all these law enforcement people being killed in the line of duty all over, all, right, all over this, all over this country. But I just want to uh, quote something by the uh, U.S. Attorney General. Jeff Sessions, who I had the pleasure of being with election night, uh, presidential election night at the Hotel Hilton, uh, New York. And this is what he says about these uh, U.S. deputy marshals. Every day, a deputy U.S. marshal makes the people of this country safe by catching fugitives on the run, protecting our courthouses, our judges, and witnesses at the trial. Uh, Sessions goes on to say they achieve these critical accomplishments at often heroic risk. Just like this uh, uh, young, I say young, he was a young fellow, 45 years old. He served in Vietnam. I'm sorry, he served in Afghanistan. Uh, David Hull passed away. My guest this evening, by the way, happens to be one of those heroic deputy sheriffs. He happens to be a former chief deputy U.S. marshal. I said sheriff, but uh, he was a former U.S. deputy marshals. One of a group of people like that, and I think, and I know he's done many heroic deeds from Arizona, but I can tell you this. I think he's a tough guy because he originally comes from Brooklyn. Uh, it's my pleasure to welcome to Streetwise former Chief Deputy U.S. Marshal from Arizona, Tom Arvissi. Tom, welcome to Streetwise. Thank you, Lou. It's it's a pleasure to be on with you, brother. And uh, I appreciate your, your kind words about a, a fallen deputy. And uh, it, it's, it's uh, sad beyond words that this kind of thing has to happen. But, uh, you know, you you never know. You, you, you know, you get up, you put your badge on in the morning and, Strap your gun on and, and you go off, and there's no guarantee you're coming back when you're yeah. in law enforcement. So yeah, abs- absolutely, you know, and, and uh, we've all experienced that. 
And, uh, you know, you, you and, uh, somebody uh, most of us know, uh, Steven Seagal have a great book out there, and I'm gonna plug it, of course, it's the whole idea, uh, pretty much to promote you with your great book, and your, and the co-author, Steven Seagal, The Way of the Shadow Wolves. The Deep State and the Hijacking of America. I like the book already. Besides that, besides browsing through it, the forward is done by a good friend of mine. I should say a good friend of ours, and you worked with him or former him, things like that, Sheriff Joe uh, Pio. So, yeah, a great book. Now, how did you how did you collaborate? Obviously, a lot of us know that uh, Steve Seagal, besides having a black belt uh, actor, director, producer, uh now, uh, now with you doing this great book, how did that come about, uh, Tom? Obviously, well, uh, we you know, Stephen and I. Uh, well, as you know, Stephen is the master, master martial artist. Yes. And, uh, so I, you. I've been doing. Uh, yeah, and I've been. I don't know if I'm a master a little bit, <laughs> but uh, but I, uh, I I've been doing martial arts since 1963. Mm. And um, o- over the years, I, I, I studied with a, a grandmaster from China, but he was in New York City. Uh, but I, I studied under him for 20 years. And he was a good friend of, I say was because he passed in 1996, but um, he was a, a, a great, a very close friend of Stephen Seagal's, and, and he admired Stephen, and Stephen admired him. Well, uh, when I, I I was the chairman of the Arizona Republican Party here from 2011 to 2013, mm. and uh, I was at an event, and Stephen came uh, out to do a, a fundraiser, and we, we, we of course we we talked and uh, realized that not only do we have a mutual friend in Sheriff Apio, uh, but we also had a mutual friend in my teacher, Kenny uh-huh. Dong. And uh, once he found out that I was, uh, I said, there's kind of a bond between martial artists. It's right. like an unspoken thing. And once he found out that uh, Kenny was uh, Kenny Gong was my my teacher, it's it really uh, cemented a friendship that developed over the years. And then we got involved in this uh, project, uh, you know, writing a book. I had a lot of experience with the border and, and all the challenges, the cartels and things that. I worked uh, fugitive task force uh, with the uh, Medellin cartel, mm. so I'm very familiar with that. So a- anyway, Stephen has a law enforcement background. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he, he was a deputy sheriff in uh, Louisiana before he became a movie star. Mm. And um, but so anyway, we we had uh, we, you know he had this idea about writing a book based on on fact, but it's fiction, you know. And I got to stress that it's fiction. And but it, it's eerie because the things that we wrote as fiction in the book are coming to pass. Yes, like the, the uh, massacre in in uh, Las Vegas and yes. the, the uh, rogue uh, government agents. Uh, <laughs> we just saw that with, with this uh, setup on Donald Trump from the rogue FBI agents. Uh, I just want to interrupt you for one second and say, it, and yeah. if you look at the book, folks. You would think they predicted these things, even though, like uh, Tom Morrissey said, it's a book of fiction. Uh, it comes right out of today's headlines. So, looking at the book, I want to make this clear that a lot of these incidents happen, uh, and the book was already done. It's like you guys uh, looked into the future, you know. Anyway, uh, that's I just want to let the audience know that you guys didn't take your book out of uh, you know out of these stories that have been out there, or write your book based on that. Right. 
So, no, that, that, that's correct, Lou. And, yeah. uh, it, it, you know, and it's kind of eerie when you see this coming to pass. And, um, Stephen, um, and I want to say this, you know, co-writing with, with somebody like Stephen Seagal um, is, is really, it's an adventure in itself. This man is, is, is a creative genius. And, um, and one of the things that, that, well, the thing that impressed me most about him was his ability to take some of the scenes, and he, he refers to parts of the book as scenes because he sees it as a movie. Mm. And, um, he, and he, he could take something that was very uh, average, you know, uh, mundane, and, and, he, and in three sentences turn it into something that sets your hair on fire. And, mm. and, uh, and sometimes it, that came as a result of a, a phone call at midnight when we were going through the book, and, and, you know, he'd call up and say, you know, it, it, he speaks like he does in the movie, and he calls me Tommy. <laughs> but he'll, he'll call up and, and he'll say, you know, Tommy, I got this idea, and I, you know, hear me out on it, like, like I'm going to argue with him, right? And, uh, but but he, he's got this unique talent. I mean, I, I, it, it just blows me away. He really, really can put things together. Uh, absolutely. You know, and some of his, uh, um, I shouldn't say some, I, I was uh, fortunate with my lay partner and I to watch, uh, he played a detective in, uh, and you and I spoke about this in Brooklyn. And my partner and I we had the unmarked car. We just stopped by just to watch it. And uh, I could say this producer, she saw, uh, she saw us in the car. She says, hey, you assholes, you're supposed to be over there. I think I told you that. And we says, hey, we're going to get paid for this. So she apologized. She thought we were part of the movie. But we had an opportunity to, to watch him. And, and very athletic, unbelievable. Besides having the uh, black belt, you know, he just, he walks like he's a ballet dancer. He's got that he's a big guy, 6'7", I guess, isn't he, uh, Tom? Something like that? 6'6", six, 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 yeah. 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 Well, when you're our height, 6'6", six, six and 6'7", six, is the same. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you're under 6'7". <laughs> That's, <true. laughs> uh, That's true, pretty, very true. Pretty much. Now, in the book, browsing the book, actually, you, you're, you're pretty much, like you had mentioned yourself, it's fiction. But these are actually things that you, you, you know, and... You and Stephanie Marshall have done for, you know, uh, I guess over and over. So writing this book, you really had your heart and soul in it. And some of it, I could see that it comes from personal experiences. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is true. Um, it, it does, and uh, well, you, you know, you know as well as I, man, you've been a cop most of your life, and you understand that. It, 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 you know, law enforcement is a way of life for all of us, and. Uh, I uh, and you retain you you, you, I, I, you retain these uh, experiences and 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 they tend to come out in one form or another. I, I think we all have a way of uh, of expressing that. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be able to express it in in a, in a book. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and and working here in in Arizona, I started with the Marshal Service in Brooklyn, in the Eastern District of New York, and. Um, I was working for uh, for a guy who really set set my tone uh, as I went through the marshal service. I, I modeled myself after him. His name is Mike Peasy, and uh, I, I modeled myself after him. And um, over the years, uh, the I, I, I guess uh, you know I, I accumulated uh, from my experience memories that, that that won't go away, and and they they do emerge. You know, like in like I say in this book. So there's, uh, and, and, you know, and, and I wanted to tell this story, as Stephen did, from the, the, the perception of a cop, 
somebody or a law enforcement officer who, who is lived the lived this way because it it, it brings more a, a more dynamic a, a sense of realism I, right. I think to the storyline not not from not so much for me but it's from my experience from the people I worked with the people I had the good fortune of getting to know on on the job and I've been able to and it, it, it really enabled me to, to carry that through in the storyline. You know, what also, like in, uh, I can see in Steven Seagal's uh, perspective in the book, he, he brings up his uh, his Mohawk uh, heritage. So, yes. especially uh, when you talk about the, uh, the Native uh, native police. And people don't realize, what I like about the book also, besides liking the whole book, is that you show people that really don't realize then how the Native American police play a role uh, with protecting our borders. Talk about that, uh, to, you know, uh, Tom, which many of us don't know. Yeah, well, uh, the, the the border here is, uh, is in Arizona anyway. It, it, it's all desert, and, and it's desolate for the most part. That, that's why the border is, is so porous. And, uh, you know, the Border Patrol, those guys are, are amazing. And mm. the job that they do... And they, they do it usually by themselves. I mean, they're, they're alone. And I can identify with that because right. U.S. Marshals, we did the same thing. But the the nature of Arizona is that uh, it, it, it's a challenge because it's so desolate. And, you know, you, every place is a road because it, it, most of it's flat and, and open. So uh, people that, that want to come across the border get across it, and, and they're very sophisticated. Well, the Native Americans uh, and the shadow wolves exist. They they mm. exist in every tribe. There, there there's 250 uh, Native American tribes in in this country, and and just about every one of them has a representation of in, in the shadow wolves. Mm. And shadow wolves are trackers, and and the legend of the shadow wolves is that they can see footprints on on rocks, uh, actually on rocks. Now you have to be Native Amer- of Native American heritage, of course, to be a shadow wolf, or at least partial Native American yeah. heritage. Now Stephen, his, his mom is a full-blooded Mohawk, hmm. and and he is a member of the uh, Shadow Wolves. So hmm. this story uh, is told from the inside as well. But the to get back to your, your original question, um, the, the we worked. I know when. when in the marshal's office, I, I worked out of mostly out of Phoenix, and uh, I, you know, and worked warrants uh, on the reservations, and uh, I, I got to know the the, uh, the tribal police, uh, and I, I got to watch them operate, and and, uh, and and see they're very very connected to the earth. Mm-hmm. They, they, they are connected to to what they call the spirit, you know, the ground spirit of, of the earth, right. and they operate. They operate in a, kind of on a different level, so so they can uh, they can fight, and and they can detect uh, things that, that that we wouldn't be able to to detect because these cartels are, are so advanced. I mean, they're, they're using drones now to 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 fly drugs into the country, mm-hmm. they, and. They uh, and and to to use as, as weapons and I mean this is scary stuff and and w- when you try to go up against somebody that that's a, that's ahead of you all the time it's a challenge mm. but it's not as much of a challenge to, to the Native American tribal police because they, they've got this added dimension 
uh, that uh, that I know I don't have, but they they have. You know. It's a, I guess like you said, it's it's the it's their blood. I, I guess you know it's 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 in them. They're closer to the earth than we are, like you had mentioned. Yes. They, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and you know a lot of uh, a lot of uh, movies that have been out there sort of indicate that, and uh, you, you know they don't. They really n- never have gotten the credit that they should have. They they did in the movie uh, when they were used uh, the Navajo uh, when the Japanese they. Uh, we're trying to uh, get our messages, you know, during World War Two. They, they, which we, we all know about. They used the Navajos to uh, send messages, of course, you know, which confused, uh, confused all of us, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that great instinct, uh, close to nature, like you said, and so. And my understanding is that they're great law enforcement officers as well, uh, Tom. Obviously, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. You know, you, you, you're referring to the code talkers, the Navajo code talkers. Yes, yes, yeah, very good. And they're, they're dying off. Uh, we we uh, just lost uh, one two weeks ago. I know. But, uh, you, you know, Lou, the, the added dimension that I was talking about with, with the Native Americans uh, is their respect for for the earth, respect for, you know, the, the, even uh, it goes back to when they were hunting. You know, mm. they kill an animal, uh, you know, to eat or to survive. They they apologize to the spirit of the animal for doing that, and I mean that that shows great respect and great connection, you know, to, to the environment, to, to the creatures of you know of the desert or wherever it is that that they live, and and they have a respect, and they don't take uh, more than they need, right? You know, from the environment, they they don't abuse the environment, and uh, that brings uh, you know an added dimension uh, to the equation. You know, but that, that's one of the things that, that I learned uh, from having experience working with these folks. Oh. Uh, interesting. It's uh, I'd like people to buy this book. It's The Way of the Shadow Wolves. It's uh, the Deep State and the Hijacking of America. I want to just go into that a, a moment. Is that uh, the book is based pretty much, you know, even though it's fiction, like you had mentioned a couple of times, it's, and I looked through it and I, I could see you playing a role in a lot of this, you and, and the people that you've uh, worked with. And, because uh, I, I could, I could see it. You're pretty much talking about yourselves and, uh, it's, it's a fiction book. By the way, I, I did have a conversation with your, your friend, former uh, Marshall as well, Mike Pizzi, as a result of you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how we always say it's a small world. We've got Joe Apio with us. There's a, a common denominator, let's say, a common denominator with, 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 you know, people in law enforcement to a degree. And in, in our case, uh, you guys are, I'm, I'm uh, from Brooklyn, I would have to say, you're from Red Hook, you know, and that sounds like, a, that yeah. sounds like an Indian name, you know. Yeah, <laughs> place and uh, and uh, my pizza. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I'm going to invite him. Uh, as a result of you, I'm going to invite him as uh, my guest, my guest as uh, as well. Now, uh, again, when I asked you earlier, now you you, you started the. I, I know you mentioned how you got to know uh, Stephen Segal, but how did you get together and decide to collaborate? Uh, I'm bringing this interesting book out that, you know, it's it's sort of educational. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I'm prejudiced, because my background is law enforcement, but I think uh, people would love, you know, to uh, to see, the, you know, and to realize, you know, what you guys you do. They they watch the movie The Fugitive, right? And they, they have an idea, 
but they don't really have an idea. And you mentioned yourself, you talk about uh, the cartel, you talk about jihadists. How do you guys in the marshal service or as a deputy marshal and you were chief deputy marshal, how, uh, again, you mentioned drones before, but how are you, how are you guys, how are you involved with the cartel and jihadists and obviously, uh, illegal criminal aliens? Well, um, the, the cartels, uh, my, one of my main involvements was in the early 90s. Um, I, I worked at, we, we had these, uh, Marshal Service puts together these fugitive task force, and they used to call them FISTS, and Fugitive Investigative Strike Teams. Hmm. And we go into an area, a, a broad area, and uh, work with the local uh, police and with the state police and we bring in a, a, a whole group of uh, deputy marshals. Uh, so uh, we did that in Miami. Uh, we worked with Metro Dade and with the Florida State Police, mm-hmm. and we, we were working uh, the, uh, the Medellin cartel. So what we were doing was we didn't make the cases. We, we picked up the, the, the results of the cases, the fugitives that have uh, had absconded. And so we, um, the focus of the uh, of the strike team that I'm, I'm referring to was uh, the Medellin cartel, and um, we, and we had names, you know, for, for the for the different things. Like this was Cocaine Cowboy, and that, mm. that was the code name for the task force. So what we did was, you know, we picked up intelligence, and uh, we had a pretty good idea that people we were looking for were in the Miami area, and indeed they were. Um, and and mainly, uh, you know, finding these people, uh, it, you got to really put yourself in the mindset. You got to become the person you're looking for, and uh, you, because that'll help you to identify where they might mm. be, what they might do, and and what what could happen uh, when, when at the point when you say the very dramatic phrase, you're under arrest, uh, mm. and all hell can break loose. Um, so we, we we were we had a very successful uh, uh, that was we were there for about five months um, and in those five months we, we arrested a lot of people and then we we uh, had local uh, we had local warrants uh, you know Miami Dade warrants and we we made some arrests there we we grabbed an international fugitive a drug runner from Canada um, and uh, which is something that. Uh, came out of the blue, but we were able to uh, apprehend that person. But uh, if you want, I can go on. I can tell you a, a, a very funny story about uh, what happened to me d- during during that uh, that uh, that whole thing. Oh, great! Uh, no, go ahead. I just want to remind the audience that I'm having a conversation with uh, Tom Morrissey, a former uh, U.S. Uh, marshal, and the, the, the book is. Great book, by the way. I just, uh, you know, it's hard for me to read the whole book, but this I really stuck to it. It's the way of the shadow uh, of wolves, and he co-authors it with uh, Stephen Segal, who we all pretty much know. And it has. To, I want to talk about this in a moment: the deep state and the hijacking of America. But let's hear this 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 uh, great funny story, which is probably serious as well, uh, Tom. Okay, well, it's going to take me about a minute if, if we got time. Fine. Okay. Okay, so we're out. Uh, my partner, I was a street supervisor, so uh, I, I, my partner at the time was, uh, I, I had a canine. I had a, a Rottweiler mm. named uh, Otis, and uh, he, uh, when he, he worked with me. He was usually in my car, in the back of my car, and 
I was leading a, a team out to do a surveillance on somebody we had been looking for that have a, had a, a heavy cocaine warrant on him. And uh, we, we went, uh, I was leading a team out to do a surveillance on it. But after about six weeks, we found him. He was kind of like the shadow. He was very, very elusive. So we're on our way, and we're stuck in traffic, um, heavy traffic in Miami. And, I mean, really, there was, it was gridlock. But we, we were we're sitting uh, waiting for a light to change, and a car the team behind was behind my car. And deputies they radio me and they say, "Look to your left. You're not going to believe this." <laughs> look, I look to my left and rolling slowly by is is our uh, subject, our future. <laughs> and so he's they're rolling by, and so they're, they're freaking out. So what do we what do we do? What do we? I said, "Well, wait till the light changes and traffic breaks." Keep an eye on him. We knew pretty much where he lived, so uh, it wasn't really uh, life and death to jump out and grab him, which would have been a good thing. So anyway, he he goes through a light, and then he he goes up a a few blocks, and we're watching him, and and he makes a right, and he turns into the street. The light breaks for us. We we go up the street, go through the light, we make a right, and we come around. uh, This was a Cuban neighborhood. Uh, We we come around the corner, and there's the car with the driver with the passenger Mm -hmm. door open, and, and our subject was in the bar. Uh, it was a, a, a neighborhood bar. Right. And so we rolled by, and then we go to the next street. It was the one way we had to make a right, so we rolled down the street and was sitting there. So when he came out, he had to go past us. So, um, we, you know, the, the question was asked of me, well, what do we do? Uh, what do we do with him? Well, mm. so I, I said, he's going to come by. When they come by, if he goes down to the corner and, and, he signal, and they signal left, that they're going to go left. Um, let him go because he's probably headed home. We need to figure that out. Yeah. If he signals right, we got to take him because we don't right. know where he's going. So he uh, around out he comes, he comes around the block, goes by us, and right signals on. And so we we roll out and uh, we got lights on. We come up uh, on, on both sides, and my dog's in the back of my car. The motor's running, air conditioning is on. I hop out of the car, close the door. The two deputies on the other side they go up. They go to the driver. He gets out swinging. He's fighting with, with the deputies. Uh, and the guy I wanted to come out, and he takes a swing at me, and my dog oh. goes nuts. Goes nuts. And he's hitting the side of the window trying to get out of the car. Down the block comes about 30 of, of this guy's friends. And now we got no way to get out of there. There was there was no way to get a backup or anything. We, we were locked in. So... I, I got him. I'm trying to get him to admit who he is. I, I wrapped him up and I got I got one arm behind him and I'm cuffing him. And so and, he, and I'm, he, I'm talking to him in English and I'm talking to him in Spanish and he, he's, he's act. He looks over at the dog and as the crowd's coming down, they they stop and watch Otis and Otis is hitting and rocking the car. Oh. <laughs> they're like they're looking at, at, at him and 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 the guy looks over at the car. He said, "Yeah, I'm not, not going to say his name." My name is so-and-so. You do anything you want, but don't put me in the car with that dog. <laughs> Very good. So we threw him in the back of the car, and we got out of there. But that, that day, my dog saved my life. I'm sure of that. Mm. But, but it, it, you know, those task force and fugitive work is like, I always say to my wife, whose name is Chris, uh, I always say, you know, I should have paid them. <laughs> you know, it was so much fun. I, mean, I loved the job. I loved every day of going to work on that job. I loved it. it was uh, did you listen? You must have listened to last week's show or the week before. My, my guest was Richie Ornstein, who was my 
first vice president with the New York Federal Police. It's exactly what he said on the station years ago. We love the job so much, we pay them. You know, yeah, it was, but yeah. not today, not today, Chris. I mean, Tom, not today, yeah. Tom. It's a world, you know. So uh, yeah. we yeah. said yeah. we uh, the job is so much fun that uh, you you know you'd volunteer, and you know it's 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 so true. So uh, obviously, I can uh, I can get I had that feeling, and uh, we st- we st- uh, still talked about. It. By the way, I'm going to open the phone six three one eight 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 one one six three one. Eight 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 one one. My guest is Tom Morrissey. He's a retired chief deputy U.S. marshal, uh, Arizona. Now I just found out. Uh, even the, but it's in the book. Uh, I had to realize that he did a lot of work in the Florida as well. And uh, deputy marshals, uh, deputy marshals do work all over the country. Hang in, uh, Tom. Hang in there. We're gonna. I'm gonna take a thirty second break, and then we'll come right back, Tom. Okay, I'm with you. Okay, and you guys out there, hang in too. This is WGBB AM 1240 and W240 DF FM 95.9 Freeport, New York. What do I cherish? Precious moments. Watching Dad read to my little Eric. That's why I'm so grateful I insisted on an eye exam when I noticed him struggling with the words on the page. We found out Dad has age-related macular degeneration, or AMD. Fortunately, the doctor caught it in time for treatment, so Dad can still read. Protect yourself and your loved ones. Call the Foundation Fighting Blindness today at 1-800-BLINDNESS for a free packet on preventing and managing AMD. A cure is in sight. Uh, I'm back. I'm back with my guest, uh, Tom Morrissey, chief deputy, uh, former chief deputy, U.S. Uh, Marshal. He's got a great book out there, The Way of uh, the Shadow Wolves. It's uh, I just I have to talk about this. He talks about the deep state and the hijacking of America. By the way, uh, Stephen Segal, can't miss his name, is the co-author uh, of this great book, and the foreword is by a friend of all of us that we know. He's been on my show several times, uh, Sheriff. Joe Opio. You know, Tom, obviously, when you talk about the deep state and the hijack of America, uh, I, I think, I, I, think I, I know what you're saying, but let's clear it up with the audience, what that actually really, the meaning of it. Okay. Um, I think everybody knows, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Donald J. Trump, our great president, and I'm going to be, uh, <laughs> I'm going to lay that out for everybody. I, I right. love Donald Trump. Yep. And I know you do too, Lou. And, Absolutely. Uh, yes. Well, Donald J. Trump, our president, his greatest uh, adversary is is not Korea, is not the little rocket man, mm. it's not China, and certainly not Putin. It is the deep state. The deep state right now is, numbers 220,000 people and they're bureaucrats in yes. the government, of the, Fed, the federal government. Mm. And that's the deep state. And, and some of them... We have some elected officials, uh, people that go out of their way to uh, to take this man down mm. and to, to stop his agenda. Now, w- whether uh, people like him or don't like him, he was elected by by we the people. And I, I, I stress we the people. Um, and he was elected, and, he, and he's our choice. And we should give him the same respect that we gave President Obama, who right. is the other side of, of the issue, 
And, I mean, President Obama is president of the United States and deserves respect in, in that office. Mm-hmm. Well, the same people that demanded respect for President Obama are the ones that are attacking President Trump. And, right. and, uh, and a lot of it manifests in the deep state. Now, I'm going to point that. The, what happened with with that dossier that that was uh, that is the basis for this Russian collusion investigation? That is what came out of the deep state, Lou. Hmm. And uh, the and the, the, the uh, rogue FBI agent, we'll call him that, correct, Strzok and 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 his his girlfriend were were a, a huge part of that. And and what it's looking like is happening now is that uh, as a result of what they did, which was totally false and, uh, and was a deep state action, uh, it is now, has now resulted in, in this uh, worthless investigation that's going on for a year, uh, you know, accusing uh, the president of collusion with, with Russia. And nobody's found any evidence of it uh, at no. all. And, and, uh, but but uh, that's what, I, what I'm talking about with the Correct. deep state. And, and, Correct. And, and what happens... I'll take it a step further, it is that it, it has made the line law enforcement officer, those of, those of us that, that have gone out and worked day-to-day uh, protecting this country and protecting the communities, uh, has restricted the ability, uh, you know, uh, over the last eight years, especially the last, um, well, previous eight years, right. previous to the last year. Correct. And, and uh, you know, and, and also with the military. And the, the rules of engagement for our soldiers, especially in Ab- Afghanistan, were very, very limited. And, and uh, because of the actions of what what is called uh, the deep state, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. what it, what we mean by that. Well, I got to change. I have to change the pace because there is someone on the line to ask a question. Tom, obviously, Johanna. I think we all know Johanna. Johanna's on the line for, for Tom, obviously. Uh, Johanna, you got. You have to turn your radio off. Johanna. So, honey, you have to turn your radio off. You have to turn your radio off. Yeah, hello? Yes, go ahead. Yes. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Hi, dear. Yes. Hi, Tom. Um, besides your wonderful career in law enforcement and being an author, um, could you tell us more, so people who don't know about you, your musical background, you know, oh. your association with Ray Charles or Dick Clark or I believe the Baby Blue and the Echoes? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hi, Johanna. Thanks for asking that question. That, <laughs> that was the other, other side of life for me. I, yes. don't, I don't know who knows this, but um, <clears throat> I started out uh, in my, my younger years. Uh, I, I was a member of uh, a hit rock group uh, uh, that formed in Brooklyn, New York. It was Tommy Duffy, Harry Boyle, and uh, Tom Morrissey. And uh, we had a, a million and a half selling record called Baby Blue. It started out BBABY, BBLUE. And uh, then we had a half a million seller uh, called Bluebirds Over the Mountain. And we did the Dick Clark show when it was in Philadelphia. And it was in a garage, by the way. Um, and then uh, Harry Boyle and I, uh, we stayed together uh, in the music industry. And we eventually wound up with the uh, being members of the Ohio Express. Uh, that uh, We had the hit record, uh, Yummy, 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 I Got Love in My Tummy, and <laughs> several others. And then uh, I was a songwriter for Ray Charles and for Richie Havens uh, along the way and worked with Jimmy Croce for a while and I was in the same songwriting stable. So I was very, very blessed. Your show, a radio show now? Yeah. Well, say that again? You still have a radio show now. 
yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, I live in the mountains of Arizona, and uh, I, I do a weekly music radio show. Right? Where, uh-huh. uh, a, a lot of the people that, that I, I knew during the time when I was uh, in the music business, uh, I tell stories. I, I knew the Ahmed Brothers and Tony Orlando and, oh, gosh, uh, as I said, you know, Ray, Ray Charles. And, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I met the drifters. I mean, just about Bo Diddley, people like that. Very good. So, uh, yeah, so I tell their story musically. So. How can we, by the way, how can we, we did a show last week, my partner and I, we pay tribute to a lot of, uh, well, which I do every year, pay tribute to a lot of people I passed the year before. We talk about entertainers, singers, dancers, and, uh, you know, people like that. And uh, some of the people that you mentioned, you I've talked about through the years that, that passed away. We talked about Fats Domino, one of the people I could think of that passed away last year. So, but uh, how can, can we get that on the internet, uh, Tom Morrissey? Can we? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure we can. Well, uh, where can. can. Yeah, let's give it a shout. Okay, uh, I'm on Thursdays, right. uh, it, uh, 3 o'clock to 5 o'clock here in Arizona. So that would be 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock your time. Over here, yes. Uh, over there. And then yeah. summertime, it, it's, it's an hour later. Uh, it's on, uh, the station is called KRIM. It's K-R-I-M, 96.3 FM. Hmm. And uh, th- th- we have an app uh, that if you if you go, the app is KRIM. FM, so it's K-R-I-M-F-M dot com. So if you, it's a free app, and people go and pull that down. You can listen on the computer or smartphones or, uh, you know, whatever device you got. But it's Thursday afternoons, 3 to 5 Arizona time. So, Johanna, you could rock every Thursday yeah. <laughs> at well, 5, Tom, 5 p.m. To you, and, you know, I'm going to hang up and let someone else have a chance you, to talk to yes, you. Yes, Johanna, thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you, you by the way. I didn't know. I, I do... Some of our musical background and some of the people that he mentioned, I didn't know all of this. Johanna, thank you. You know, there is, uh, you know, you know, Tom, uh, t- people don't realize that, uh, yeah, cops uh, sing and dance and they sing also and they do music, you know. And uh, I, I, I know there were so many rock groups in the 50s where many of them uh, were, were police officers and people don't realize that, you know. Uh, yeah, there were yeah. many of these uh, groups from fifties and even to the sixties. There were police officers, you know, yeah. that uh, and, and you would know, and especially someone uh, uh, like you was the chief uh, deputy U.S. Uh, marshal, you know, doing a yeah. doing a twist out on a, on the floor or something, you know, on a dance floor. Well, well, but, you, <laughs> well you, you know, you know, uh, the record. There's a moon out tonight. Yes, and, uh, Nikki, and I forgot Nikki's last name. He was a police officer. Uh, Great, he was a lead singer. Right, and uh-huh. Eddie Eddie Money Eddie Money was was a Eddie was Money, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, so, oh. yeah. So you're right, Lou. A lot of police officers. Yeah, a lot of uh, they do that. Yeah, people just assume that you, you know, you just you, you know, you, they will we get stereotyped like a lot of uh, different people do, and especially they look at this as one way. You know, we don't, uh, we have no rhythm. You know, we're whatever. You know. That's uh, yeah, right. You know, we, yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, listen, I was brought up in that rock and roll era, you know, and uh, sure. especially you, you down the hook. There was I can't even think there was a great rock and roll group from Red Hook. You, I'm sure you probably know. Maybe uh, you know, in, in the fifties and sixties, you know. Yeah, from, from the, the, the Passions. There was the Jimmy Passions. Gallagher and the Passions. Very good yeah. from the rest. Yeah, uh, J- Jimmy was a, a, a relative of mine. Ah. Uh-huh. Hmm. Jimmy, 
And the, uh, the rest of the group, uh, Jimmy came from Red Hook, and the rest of the group came from Bensonhurst, the, the Passion. Yeah. Jimmy was the lead singer. Oh, yeah. There were a lot of groups that came from uh, different parts of uh, Brooklyn and, and Manhattin, you know, just uh, oh, in, yeah. in uh, those years. Just uh, interesting. A- anyway, it's Tom Morrissey, former chief deputy U.S. Marshal, and the book, by the way, uh, if you're interested, and I know you are, it's the way of the shadow of wolves. He just uh, just sort of cleared up the deep state and the hijacking of America. It's Tom Morrissey and Steven Seagal. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people out there, and I say a lot of people, there are groups of people out there that have tons of money. They're connected to banking, Wall Street, and I think you touch on that. And uh, someone like George Soros that... Uh, Pretty much like they're like anti-American. Obviously, they're anti-Trump, which you touched on a moment ago. So, and uh, it, it's but there's been a group. Uh, it's like an underground group, but they're all wealthy, uh, wealthy people. And I think they meet in Sweden once a year. I, you know, I did, I did know the name at one time and the name of the group. And uh, you know, a- anyway, so there is a powerful group out there like George Soros, like you mentioned on the Out to Destroy. I think Out to Destroy Donald Trump. I got Richie on the line. Richie for Tom Morrissey, question or statement for Tom Morrissey. Hi, Tom. I uh, just want to let you know I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> I, agree. I have all your records. And now I'm a bigger fan, knowing that you became a marshal afterwards. Uh, that's an incredible transition to have all those hit records and then go into law enforcement. Uh, Tom, what is the difference between the marshal and the sheriff? Hmm. What, what is the difference well, of their jobs, please? Richie, thanks for those nice comments. I, I really appreciate uh, it, it. It's true. It's true. Uh, because I tell you, if I had all those hit records, I probably wouldn't want to be a cop. You know, I want to stay out there with all these cuties, you know. But but I got to give you credit because uh, you you have fantastic talent, and it's a great interview. Thank you. Uh, the the difference actually, the marshal's uh, office is really a national sheriff's office. Uh, pretty much do the same thing, you know, with the tra- transporting prisoners, uh, housing prisoners when when they're pre adjudicated before they you know they've been to the trial. And, uh, and then protecting the judiciary, protecting the judges, uh, and then apprehending fugitives. Uh, the added dimension to the marshal service that the sheriff's office doesn't have is the witness protection program. Uh-huh. And, uh, I, I got to work that for four years. And they only leave you in that program for four years because you, you start to go batty, you know, with, with that. And um, I, I worked uh, fugitives for eight years of my career, and then the rest of it I was a supervisor and a chief deputy, so I wasn't in the street as much. But um, but th- th- that is the the only difference, and that, that's why uh, I, I was able to work and become such a close friend of Sheriff Apio, yeah. Sheriff Joe, as we call him here. And uh, Joe ran a uh, when he, he ran a Maricopa County uh, Sheriff's Office. It, it, it ran right. like a, a fine, fine-tuned machine, you know. So, and he he helped uh, helped me out a lot, especially, mm. you know, uh, we had uh, we had pre-adjudicated uh, prisoners. Uh, they, they can't be with, uh, uh, you know, with people that have been through the system and have been convicted. So you have to keep them in, in, in uh, segregated areas. Yeah. You know? And and we didn't have the jail space here uh, to do that. I mean, I had 850 prisoners that, that I had to house every night at one time. 
And uh, until Sheriff Joe uh, got elected here, I, I was in deep trouble. And once he got elected, he took everybody I had into mm. his jail. Great. And, uh, He's a know. great man. There's no doubt about it. And so are you. And I look forward to your book and when you become when it becomes a movie. And uh, good luck with everything. A fantastic Thank interview. Thank, thanks, Richie. Thank, well, thank you, Richie. God bless. Thank yeah. you. Now, also, uh, Tom, the uh, pretty yes. much the marshals are primarily federal, correct? Federal uh, crimes, as yes. opposed yes. to sheriffs that do state, local crimes. So yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah uh, a couple of movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So people, thought, I just want to just throw that in. But but again, yeah. that's you know, one of the difference uh, in it. You're basically. Uh, uh, what you just mentioned, the witness protection programs, which nobody else does, you know, and uh, yeah. that's the yeah, that's uh, you guys. What do you think of that movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger did when he uh, played the U.S. Marshal, pretty much uh, uh, guarding uh, a witness? In the, you know, yeah. do you recall that movie? I can't think of it now. Oh, oh yeah, I do. Erase, er, it was eraser, eraser, eraser. Correct. Yeah. yeah. What's your yeah, thoughts? Yeah. A little dramatic, obviously, but I mean, it's a good, uh, great movie, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought he did a a great job. You know, it's Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, you, you and I both know a, a right. lot of the stuff that you see on the screen is you know is Hollywood based. But but um, uh, my, my my wife is uh, she loves cop shows. And I, I kind of <laughs> some of them I'll say, yeah, honey, I, I can't watch this. Yeah, very good. Wife. But I, I know how it was really done. Actually, the, yeah. The, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a snob. I, I just. It, it's just that they have to make a movie according to a certain formula that keeps the interest of the audience. And sometimes, but I'll tell you one series. It was called Justified uh, that was on. It was very, very uh, interesting, and it was a lot of it was was close in some ways to uh, to, to what we did. It, it, it was uh, Timmy Timothy Elephant and uh, this man named Charlie uh, Manzano Almazo. Um, who, who was uh, a technical uh, advisor for the series? Uh, was actually a deputy marshal, and, hmm. uh, and I know him. And uh, I know his first name better than his last name, but he's from <laughs> California. And, and, uh, and that, that was, uh, you know, he, he, he said the same thing. You know, there's some of the stuff that just had to let them go with it to, to keep the audience. Uh, but the, the technical aspect of it, uh, they, they stayed pretty true. It was a great show. Justifies a right. great show. I know uh, many cops have a tough time watching cop stories because you see things yeah. and you see things. And I don't even watch half of them, but there are, I, I do compliment uh, like Lauren or Lauren or of course it, it, it brings you into the uh, the prosecutor's uh, perspective, you know, their position, yeah. uh, and especially as uh, being a detective, uh, I can see a lot of uh, which they show the relationship, the connection between the district attorney and detective. So. I can watch that. Of course, some of it's over-exaggerated, but we know that. You'll pick up something like, the, you know, they'll show a different type shield for a different type of law enforcement agent, and you'll pick that up, you know, and then you say, yeah, ah, it's not for real, you know. So, uh, But you see, i got to compliment myself because when Kojak was here, uh, Telly Savalas, I yep. was I was one of the consultants on that. So, oh, you were? Oh, yeah, I, well, when I say that, it was on for five years. I got there about the last year and a couple of months, so I, I missed a lot of good times. But I did catch a good year and three months with him, and the whole idea of that was to keep it really realistic, and that's what we did, you know? Yeah. It was a formula, and I, but just 
jumping in there, that was the, and, and it wasn't hard to do. You know, the language, the yeah. dialogue, and uh, and the areas, and the whole thing like that. So I had fun. I had fun with the late Telly Savalas, great guy, by the way. And uh, yeah, and yeah. he wanted that. He wanted the he wanted all these realistic things, the language of the in a squad room, and how cops talk to people in the interviews and stuff like that. You know, uh, again, he added his own flavor, which was good. You know, yeah, but yeah. Uh, you, you, you know, you, you mentioned something about Hollywood and about uh, we're talking about Steve Seagal, and we laughed about something. Uh, one of the, of course, Steve Seagal makes some great movies, and I mentioned the one that I that I was watched part of in Brooklyn. But he did that movie Siege, uh, and I, I think you said it. And a lot of people use that. You know, uh, I'm only a cook. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. You. I, I think you. I think you mentioned that you uh, that you had a conversation with him, and that's one of the, his things that he says. And you know, as a as a you know, as a sense of humor, but you know. just well, the, 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 a funny story with that. A quick one. My my granddaughter uh, upstate New York uh, came out to visit uh, my wife and I. Uh, about, you know, and she's here about a week, so she wanted to meet Stephen. So. Uh, Brought her up to his place, and uh, he, he was so gracious to her. He's he just, just a teenager, you know. Now she's uh, she's in college now, but right. she was oh. in uh, high school then. And uh, so, we, we, so she he spent you know he took a bunch of pictures with her and everything. So uh, when she went home, uh, she had a part time job uh, after school working in an Italian restaurant in upstate New York. And uh, so I, I went back to visit, and her dad. Uh, we went. We ordered uh, pizza from where, where she was working, and we, we went there. So while we were waiting for the pizza, you know, we had a, a beer. We were standing at the bar, and out comes her boss, and uh, and we were talking and everything, and uh, and I, you know, I, we were talking about about the thing, and he kept saying to me, you know, I'm just a cook. You, know, you get it? I'm, I'm just a cook. Yeah. So I said, yeah, but you're the boss. You own the place. He said, no, 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 I'm, I'm just a cook. Just a cook. And so I said it about ten times. He said, you get what I'm saying? I said, you know, not really. And he said, well, I'm a big Steven Seagal fan. Right. My favorite movie is Under Siege. He said, I'm just a cook. So I told Steven the story. So well, he, he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah." I get a great. lot of that. Uh, <laughs> I know that's gonna that's gonna be a saying. You know, movies. Uh, I got Bob on the line. Bob for for Tom Morrissey. Your question, a statement for for Tom Morrissey, Bob. Yes, Lou. How yes. you doing? Okay. Yeah. Uh, just uh, not a, just a statement. It's an honor. Uh, great interview. Uh, and uh, I know I've collected music since I'm ten years old. I know the songs he did. Oh. Uh, uh-huh. He's, he's had a great life, and I can tell. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting his book. Oh, uh, he sounds like a great American. Absolutely. And keep up the good work with the interviews, Lou. Bob, thank you, Bob. You Take know? care you, of yourself and thank, be well. Thanks for the calls. Uh, Take same care to you. Now. Bye. Wow. You know, uh, Tom. He's saying, he's, he sounds like a, he sounds like a Brooklyn cop. You know? Yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know. I always, always say, I say to the people here in Arizona, kind of like a joke. I said, but you know, I, I learned to speak the King's English. You know, because I, I get it. You know, I get I get kidded about my accent. Right. And and, right. I, and I say, really, the King, because I grew up in Kings County, so I, I speak uh, the King's English. <laughs> that's very good. Yeah, very good. Uh, yeah. uh, very good. So I'm only a cook. It reminds me of uh, Gone with the Wind. That's a saying that forever. Uh, Clark Abel says, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Or frankly, <laughs> I don't give a damn, my dear. 
right? Yeah, right, that's right, right. That's that yeah, sticks yeah. with us. We're going with the wind. That sticks yeah, with us yeah. uh, too. It's amazing how you can say something that stays with stays with us. Uh, uh, for, for, forever, uh, yeah. you, you know. In, in your book, uh, you know some some of the, the you know the uh, interaction and, and you know the dialogue, and uh, I could see you know that's it sounds looks familiar to me. Did you guys intentionally do that? To try to bring up uh, pretty much add experiences into the book, you and Steven Seagal. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Uh, Stephen, uh, you know, I, I keep going back to him because uh, he, he had a background in law enforcement right. and in intelligence. He, he did some intelligence work in, in Asia uh, oh. also during that period. So, uh, yeah, it, it, we have blended, you know, our, our life's experiences uh, into the book. Um, and it, it came naturally. Uh, it, it's just, it, wasn't anything, it was nothing in this book that was forced. I mean, we, we just... We told the story, and we were like uh, working hand in hand. I mean, it, it was uh, he'd pick up on things where I left off, and then I'd pick up on things where mm-hmm. he left off, and and uh, we went back and forth. But but you know, it, everything that I've done creatively, and I know I've, I've had conversations with Stephen. He felt he feels the same way. It comes from it comes from a place where I've lived. Uh, you know, the, there's a character in the, in the book called Sweet Tooth. That uh, is uh, a young Native American right. kid. He's a 21 year old kid, and uh, I fashioned uh, that character uh, after a person who, who who's alive, who's somebody who I know. Oh. And and uh, I was, uh, I had conversations with him and listened to to the way to what was important to him at his age and and uh, the way he conversed. And and I, I wove that into the character and. The character became very important in the book. So, and well, you you know because you, you've read it. But um, and the same with Stephen. Uh, there's a, we have a rogue uh, agent in it. Mm. The, the the problem with the lead, um, the, the challenge for for the lead character in the book, John Goday, is is that he 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 has trusted people with his life who uh, eventually turn out to be not trustworthy mm-hmm. and who actually try to kill him. Uh, but but because of the trust that uh, through working with them, I'm talking about people that are like in law enforcement, huh. um, and uh, because he, he, he built up such a trust in them, he has a hard time adjusting to mm-hmm. not being able to trust them. And the, the, that's where the deep state comes in. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, yeah, to answer your question, it, it, the, it, it's really based on you know experiences that, that we've had in maybe in, in different settings and you know with, with different people, but the same emotion is evoked from uh, you know from from those those like actors call it method acting. They they call yeah. upon they kind of cry. They call upon something sad and, and and they go with that. But the same thing when when you're writing you're writing a book. And and again you know I I tried uh, and Stephen tried. When we kept front and foremost, uh, this is from the point of view of, of cops. I mean, people mm. that that have lived this day to day and actually experienced it, and we're trying to convey that, you know, to them. And also, um, we're, we're conservatives. We, we see life, you know, from a conservative or maybe a uh, populist, uh, you know, uh, point of view, and and we try to bring that into the book because. 
what what uh, was a lot of other books are, are based on a, a liberal point of view. Right. They present the characters that way. And what right. we're trying to do is is to even it out. Well, that's that's real. Know. That's real fiction. The liberal point of view. Yeah, yeah, you know, right. That's that's <laughs> exactly. uh, that would be like uh, sort of fake news, fake novel, you know. So yeah. that would be, yeah. I know. And, but what's amazing I, in the book, I want to remind the audience: you you talk about the attack on the Las Vegas uh, Strip, and you had to use SWAT team and things like that. So similar to what happened in Las Vegas. And by by the way, folks, the way of the Shadow of Wolves talks about things that I mentioned before. It's like taken out of the today's headlines. It's it's so real. It's real, and uh, speaking about real, do you think down the road, uh, Tom Armisey, you may do a book based on some of your exploits where you've had to track down heavy-duty fugitives like I know you guys have done? Real-life stories, you know, and experiences that, uh, and, and, you know, down the road in, in other books. Yeah. Uh, actually, we, uh, we are. The, the uh, sequel to this book, um, uh-huh. it's going to be a series, um, <clears throat> the working title is The Conquering Cycle, and it, it's about actually a case that, that I worked, a fugitive case, on a, a gun-running group out of mm. Jamaica. And uh, I worked the case for uh, 16 months and uh, actually uh, made an arrest uh, on a case that began in Miami and uh, actually made the arrest in Detroit 16 months later after the person we were looking for had killed about 10 people. Oh. And, uh oh. We, we, we actually we got our, we actually got him, but uh, I, you know, uh, another case that I I, I worked uh, that uh, I, I just worked as part of it. I didn't make the arrest, but was the uh, remember the Falcon and the Snowman movie? Yeah, uh, and uh, well, hmm. the uh, the Falcon uh, Christopher Boyce was um, the, uh, the he he was convicted. He, he was. Uh, prosecuted by the FBI, <clears throat> actually investigated and prosecuted and then sentenced to uh, a, long, a long sentence for uh, spying for the, for the Russians. And uh, he escaped. And he was out for about 18 months. And uh, we, we worked the case. We had teams all over the country following leads. And uh, we finally uh, caught up with him in Port Angeles, right outside of Seattle. And um, he... He was uh, he was learning how to fly a plane, and at the time the Soviet Union was still intact. So he was going to fly a plane across the Bering Strait uh, from Alaska into the Soviet Union wow. for asylum. And uh, we caught up with him. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the one of the people I worked very uh, a lot with, one of my partners, he was out of Seattle. Um, he, he made the arrest, and it was funny because uh, Christopher Boyce was sitting in. A sonic. Oh. Uh, Tom, could you believe that? We're out of time. I hate to, you know, we're running. Oh, out. We're, gotcha. we're going to finish this next time, you know. Okay. So okay. We, we will. I have to have you back. And uh, by the way, uh, Tom Robertson, former U.S. Uh, Marshal, he has the great book, The Way of the Shadow of Wolves. Him and Steven Seagal, uh, you have to buy this book. And uh, Tom, thank you for being my guest. We could do two hours, you know that. Yeah, and I this went by very fast. Uh, Lou, the book can be gotten on Amazon. Amazon. Very good. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me. The book's on Amazon, by the way. Just uh, Google it anyway. Uh, Tom obviously was my guest. Thanks for listening to Streetwise. Lou Talano, and I'll catch you later.